You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, rolling along a Tuesday edition of Locked On Syracuse as we are back into game week mode. Duke is a 12:30 kick this week. Ty, I saw the line came out. The I was gonna line. ask, have you seen the line yet? Oh, uh, you I know was... I've seen the line. That's that's one of my favorite things to track. And it was a pick'em originally opened on many sites. I think Syracuse is now favored by a point or two, depending on where you. Oh, look. really? Were okay. you surprised by the interesting? Pick'em? Because when I checked last night, I haven't checked this morning yet. But when I checked last night. Syracuse was actually a slight dog, a one and a half oh. point dog against the Blue Devils at home. So I don't huh. know. I, I have to go dive into some Duke stuff this week. I want to see how they match up some of their strengths. But again, we know that Duke's got a great uh, defensive line. And also there may be some nightmares of Chase Bryce mixed in there as well. So yeah. we will track all of that this week. But uh, if I had to gun to my head right now, I'm probably taking Duke. With the really? points, okay. with the the one and a half, given what I've seen, but we'll see. Maybe some things are shifting a little bit with that line throughout the week. Yeah, it's already been shifting. So I, the initial shift towards Duke is that the sharp betters coming in, and now the public betters. You, you know a lot about this stuff. I I try to keep up, but it's uh, it can it'll be, be a, a number of things. You definitely have yeah. to let it flesh out a little bit in the market because sometimes there's complex stuff like reverse line movements all that so yeah we'll monitor the line throughout the week but gun to your head you have to make a pick right now oh. what side are you leaning on i've given my pick what's yours i'm kind of leaning syracuse right now honestly okay. because duke turns it over so much and although it's tough because i can't speaking really of see turnovers duke. have you seen this stat that syracuse they had a bye week last week and, and despite all of that, yeah. and they still lead the country. They've played less games. I think in some cases they've played two less games than some teams, and they still lead the country in turnovers. How yeah. about that also, for this defense? We haven't played a non-Power 5 team yet. So right. if you really mm-hmm. want to get into the numbers, a lot of stuff is is uh, sort of backs against the wall, odds against us. But, you know, we're, uh, we're chugging along in the turnover department for sure, and they should have plenty of chances against Duke given how they've turned it over so much. Duke is by the way, 0-4 right now. So if if you're a better that has nothing to do and is probably not a Syracuse fan, maybe you're thinking like, oh, odds are Duke just doesn't fall to 0-5, and that might be partially the reason why you might go that route. But that game is 12-30 this week. We don't know if they'll have Andre Sisco. There's been some news and reports come out on Andre Sisco. I'm sure many listeners have seen it, but Basically, Mike McAllister, who actually just recently switched jobs, he, of course, was at 24-7 Sports. Now he's covering Syracuse Sports over at SI. He tweeted out basically a little post on on his Twitter on what he's hearing about Andre Sisco. He said, I'm hearing it's not looking good for him on the injury front. In fact, the concern is that he is out for the season, the rest of the season. No official word yet, he said, but that's what I'm hearing as of now. Dino spoke at his press conference yesterday. Good to have him back behind the mic on a Monday as now there is a game. He was no press conference last week, of course, but he said Andre suffered a lower body injury during pregame pregame warmups, which I've never seen in my career. I think he said his 39 39 year. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he has not seen that before. It was obviously weird when he collided with Ed Hendricks. He said, I've seen him every day. 
So he's been smiling and excited, so we'll see. That's what Dino said. He also added in there, I don't want to go much further than yeah. that because it's a huge advantage for Duke. Right. So and I kind of hate uh, that, but that's a whole nother topic that it's almost like, why, why can't we have a better injury policy in college athletics? Because Dino was also asked about the offensive linemen and he doesn't have to say anything too specific about it. And he kind of on the offensive lineman front said, there's isn't a timetable. We're hoping to get those guys back. When they come back, we'll have to get them into game shape, but we need them and we'll see when they come back basically. And same thing with Derek Coley. So it's, it's kind of tough to gauge. I don't know if Cisco is going to be out for the season per se, but I don't think the prospects are very good of him playing against Duke this week. And Listen, we, we've kind of been all in on this defense the entire season, especially the way that they create turnovers. And they don't necessarily need Andre Sisco to create turnovers. Now, I'm not trying to go all Ewing theory on you and say Syracuse's defense is better without Andre Sisco, since after all, that is where they've got their one win this season is a, a game where Andre Sisco didn't play in. But... I'm not too worried because it seems like the depth has been there. That's something that we were kind of, we were a little skeptical on heading into this year. What's yeah. the depth going to be like in the secondary, especially since you're adding a third defensive back in, in that safety position group. So that's where our kind of skepticism lied, but everyone's kind of stepped up. It, it's been a next man up. You've seen guys kind of come from all over the place and make an impact on this team. And I think that's definitely a good sign that whether or not we see Andre Cisco this week, this defense can still chug along. Usually your bye weeks are used to get healthier. In the case of Syracuse, a lot of bad injury news. I mean, you look at the Cisco stuff. Think about the Dakota Davis. I mean, Dino Baber's not very optimistic that he's going to be back soon. Eric Coley has a quote-unquote owie. How many times have we heard that from Dino Baber? Yes, he loves that phrase. All that stuff is is on the table right now and on the medical table really right now. And I don't think, listen, if these are injuries more on offense, I'd be a lot more concerned, but on defense, I don't think I'm as concerned right now, even though it is your best player on the roster that is out for probably this week and maybe a little bit longer after that. Yeah. I'm right there with you in terms of what is Cisco's timetable. Now, obviously this is just speculation from us. And I do think that Mike McAllister's report made me, a little the initial reaction to that was like very disappointed but even McAllister in his writing and language it was also a report, one paragraph article i'm not putting a ton of right. stock in a one paragraph article yeah i totally agree with you on that i and mean he literally like gives himself he could have tweeted several that. There, that's how many characters were in that article he could have tweeted yeah. that it's, it, it was kind of a bummer how <laughs> how it was all laid out and then also he goes no official word yet but that's what i'm hearing as of now if it comes out tomorrow that Andre Cisco is playing, let's just say the total opposite of what Mike McAllister tweeted, like he he kind of left the verbiage that that's still maybe a possibility. So I wouldn't. Well, I don't think it's good news. I wouldn't, if you're a Syracuse fan, be like, "Yep, Cisco's done for the season. It's over." I mean, right? That no, that, it's it's way too early to begin that skepticism. And yeah, when it's a season-ending type deal. The transparency is usually pretty pretty clear. Like you, if he's done for the year, you'll know he's done for the year. I think. Yeah, totally. And I think Dino has been candid about that for the most part. 
Whereas maybe if it's a three to four week injury like Eric Coley right now, we just don't really know what his timetable is. Dakota Davis, we don't know when he's coming back. So now, anyway, long story short, basically, is I'm still worried about Cisco's chances of playing, very worried about this week, and then Liberty the following week. And these are the chances where you have some winning. I would games. imagine they'll sit him out for Liberty, though. Right? Yeah, regardless, like, I would be, agree. Just yeah. be, given the opponent, given the situation, given where you are in the season. And listen, if I'm Andre Cisco, I'm not rushing to come back. No. I've had a, a pretty good season so far, a little freak injury that may NFL. hold me out a couple weeks. And I think he's done, I won't say enough to put himself in the first round conversation, but he's inched himself close, closer to the first round than the third round, for yeah, sure. he's had a the positive way he's played year. this year. Right. So, I think the tackling's been way better, and then, of course, he's got a ball-hawking interception to his name, too. All right, plenty more to get to on the Dino press conference front. Before we do that, got to tell you guys about rockauto.com. If you've had any troubles with your car lately, I know I have. Rockauto.com has been a valuable resource for me during this quarantine period and will continue to be. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers today. They have everything you could possibly need. It is very easy to navigate. And it's just like much safer right now than going to the auto parts store. You can go to the auto parts store. They'll just tell you that they have to order the part and look at the same interface that you could get right now. So go to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck for your daily or classic driver. It does not matter. And they have the same reliably low prices for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. And when you're at rockauto.com, be sure to write Locked On, the podcast network here in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, put Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So here's where the secondary stands now. Obviously, we saw Jihad Carter, Cam Jonas play a lot. We saw Robert Hanna, who was terrific unbelievable job yeah i mean we we praised him a ton his pro football focus grade was great his eye test was sensational and i do feel better about okay like you know we might not have cisco for a while but at least hannah looked really good the interesting thing when you look at kind of the secondary depth chart you would have thought that ben labros would fill in for cisco after he had that collision with that hendrix and he's out because labros is listed as the backup rover instead it was hannah so you have to wonder we have not seen ben labros at all he's another true freshman he was rated very highly now ratings aren't everything but we got positive reports in camp it seemed like by cracking the two deep that he was on a good track i'm just wondering is labros an injury at this point are we going to see him at all against duke and i think that's something i'm really going to be focused on when we watch the secondary because it's one thing to put Hannah back out there, I mean, I think Hannah looked good and he earned it, but, you know, they're going to try and rotate guys as they've done all year. So it'd be interesting to see if we get to see any Lebros in this game. Can I say this? I I don't care. I don't care. I think Robert Hannah played phenomenally. We've seen these fill-ins play so well. I don't care what the depth chart says because we're starting to see it with the defensive backs. They kind of feel like the wide receivers, from a couple years ago where you could just, tr- now I'm not saying these guys are going to be all Americans, but again, maybe not this year, but in the years coming, we could see these guys be 
all-conference honorable mentions and then maybe work them their way up to the third, second, and if they really shine, get to that first team. It feels like one of those situations where you're going to put these guys in, they're just going to go out there and they're going to perform, and that's going to be good enough for this team because the system's so good. I yeah. mean, all the praise to Tony White because he has put together something really, really significant. I don't care who's playing those positions right now because it seems like everyone's on the same page, everyone's flying around, and if you do mess up, someone's there that kind of has your back. That, that kind of feels how this three-three-five has run so far in the early going. My only sort of contest of what you just said, it was just Georgia Tech. And now we talked about how Jeff Sims is talented, the key word there is he's talented. He, he's a talented quarterback. He's not a good quarterback yet. And let's be honest, Jeff Sims played a terrible game against Syracuse. He had several interceptions that he kind of gift-wrapped to Syracuse. Duke, Chase Bryce, maybe he'll be a little bit better. It's not like he's a world-beater, though, so I'm not awfully worried. But I, I get what you're saying. I love what I'm seeing from Tony White, and I do think this proves that his scheme is definitely here to stay and the 3-3-5 is here to stay. But we've only seen it against one team that is a below-average team in the ACC at home and on an off-off night from a quarterback. I wouldn't, or an off day, I guess I should say, I wouldn't jump totally in on we'll be totally fine without Andre. I mean, well, they're okay, now can down I say to... this? Let me say yeah, this. Yeah, of course. You know who's been a, a major Band-Aid for some of the defensive slip-ups from time to time this year? Trill, Trill? Williams. Yep. Yes. I knew you were I going mean, that there. guy, that guy has been everywhere on the field. You'll see him go across the field on plays. I mean, that's just how good he's been. He flies around, and I think he alleviates some of the mistakes that may be made because of the youth. And let's be honest, too, the linebackers have played far beyond our expectations this year as well. Now, you can say this stuff about the running game, but I think part of that has to do with what's going on in the trenches as well. And you've played uh, a good offensive line in uh, a pit, too, and that's part yeah. of the reason why the Panthers they can't were able to run the, the ball. They can't set the edge, the Right, line. and I think the defensive right. line has struggled, and we kind of brought this up. Right at the beginning of the season, the defensive line was the second best unit on the Syracuse defense, but don't be surprised if the linebackers surpass them. And that is what exactly has happened right now with this team. The linebackers have overperformed, and the defensive line has pretty much given you what you expected and maybe a little less. Yeah, I mean, the defensive line is just not going to put up numbers in that system, though. They're not going to get sacks, so it's easy to jump to that conclusion the linebacker still could be better, though, and and I do no, think. No, I mean, listen, the the defensive could be backs better, have been the best. We knew the defensive backs were going to be right. the best, and they have been the best. The linebackers have done better than we expected. Now, you don't want to get run on for almost 300 yards against Georgia Tech, and that may be an issue when you go forward and face some even better running backs. But the, I think that the linebackers have overachieved from what we expected out of them, especially given the youth and the injuries that the group was facing heading into the season. Totally. I, I wouldn't think, you know, the entire defense has overachieved in my eyes so far, and that's why it's kind of weird that they're one and two overall, despite all this good praise of the defense. So, I mean, I think where I stand on it is they've had one good game without Cisco. Let's see them do it again. And I, I'm, there's no reason to think they won't do it again. But it's worth noting now you've got true freshman Carter starting at boundary safety, probably, assuming Eric Coley is still out, who 
I'd, you'd love to get him back. It's kind of going underrated how important it is that you've lost him. And then you've got true freshman, true freshman Robert Hanna starting. And also maybe LeBros plays. He's another true freshman. There's a lot of youth now in that secondary. But you're right. I mean, the scheme has looked great, and they did it against Georgia Tech, and they're forcing turnovers. So if there was one position group for them to maybe have a couple injuries, I guess in a weird way it's, it's good that it is the secondary. You know, the, the one thing that I think losing Cisco is really going to hurt with is going to be in the red zone. I think that's the place where you could see this team really start to struggle because of the fact that I think Cisco's made some phenomenal tackles in the red area this season that have prevented touchdowns, that have prevented first downs when, when you're at like first and 10 on like the 15. And he's made some big plays in the red zone that I think are going a little under the radar. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so final thing before we get into this recruiting article that The Athletic came out with ranking the five teams that have the most stacked against them from a football recruiting set of things. Spoiler alert, Syracuse did make the list. But Dino, also in his press conference, not a ton of note in his press conference, but one thing that caught both our attention he was asked about the quarterback competition, asked about Rex Culpepper, Tommy DeVito, what the plan is there. And in true Dino fashion, he brings up kind of an analogy. He goes cross-sport on us and brings up the San Diego Padres and what they're doing in the postseason in baseball and how they pitch nine games and they're just doing whatever it takes to win. And basically it was his way of saying, we'll do what it takes to win. We might start a guy and play him the entire game. We might go into a short reliever, a long reliever. We'll do what it takes to win. What did you make of the Dino Padres comparison? All right, so I think it's a terrible one. And let me give a little context <laughs> here, too. Because for those who don't know, the Padres in Game 3 of their opening round, I don't even know what they call that round now in the playoffs with the extent with the expanded playoffs. Is right. that the real wild card round now? I don't know. Sure. Anyway, who knows? the Padres threw nine pitchers. Nobody went more than an inning and two-thirds in that game. And it's called the opener strategy in baseball. For those who aren't familiar with it, you don't go with a true starting pitcher. You just throw out a bunch of different guys who can give you anywhere between two and six outs, pretty much. So that's what the Padres did. And let me explain why this is a baseball thing only and why this does not work in football one lick. In baseball... Sure, the pitcher is the quarterback out there. He is the most important position on the field. But you're also giving these batters different looks out there. With a quarterback, sure, you might be giving the, the defense a different look, but you're also giving your receivers a different look too. And these guys, who knows how the reps are split up in practice, but if Dino's going to go out there throwing a bunch of different quarterbacks out there, I think that's going to be a mess because you're going to have whacked out timing with a lot of the receivers because they're used to a Tommy ball coming out and then all of a sudden it's Rex and then maybe who knows it goes deeper down the depth chart than that. It's not going to work. It's going to disrupt a lot of timing and I don't think these receivers are going to be comfortable with it. And at the end of the day, the different look that you're giving the defense is I think a lot, the, the payoff there is more detrimental to the receivers. Now, Sure, it throws the defense off a little bit, but you adjust. And the pitcher thing, I think, works a lot differently in that regard because you're giving the batters a different look. You don't necessarily impact the other eight guys out there on the field. So it's more effective in baseball because 
you're not giving your personal team a different look. Whereas in football, you are affecting everyone out there. Maybe there's some miscommunication with the blocking schemes, the running backs. Of course, the receivers and tight ends are the big question mark there. So I think it's a bad comparison. And let's be honest, when have we ever seen a quarterback by committee work? It's the old adage. It doesn't if you have work. two quarterbacks, yeah. you have none. You have two goalies, you have none. It works the same here. And I think you can't, maybe, okay, maybe you drop some special plays. Go New Orleans Saints. Throw a Taysom Hill little package out there from time to time. But I'm not getting, I'm not looking to get three innings out of Rex Culpepper, okay? I think you need to commit to a guy. Sure, you maybe throw in a couple plays for Rex here. Maybe you throw in a couple plays for Tommy here if you decide to start Rex full time. But at the end of the day, you need to commit to a guy. He has to be your guy. Maybe you throw in some little things here and there, but that's the extent that this works. So I agree. To be fair, I think that's what Dino is is sort of saying, and I think that's the plan going forward, is Rex is just going to have a couple package plays here or there. But I think even he would tell you, as we've kind of said all along throughout the season, Rex is not the answer at the quarterback spot. We've seen enough. I know we saw the good play against Pittsburgh, but he does not have the same arm talent or a number of, like, we, we've gone into that. I mean, the accuracy is, is very frustrating with him, too. I mean, there right. are a number of balls that he should have put on the money, wide open guys, and he just flat out, he didn't just miss them. I mean, he missed them pretty atrociously, too. Yeah. I mean, Dino... I think he has a tendency, and he is not someone who's against putting in a different quarterback like we saw DeVito come in and replace Dungy against UNC when Dungy really deserved to be replaced. Love Dungy, but that was by far his worst game, and maybe he was hurt or something during that game. It's paid off for him at times, so I think he's always going to have that option, and he will you know, not be hesitant to go to that option. The only thing is... Rex Culpepper is not what Tommy DeVito was in 2018. He's nowhere near that. Rex Culpepper wouldn't start for any other Power 5 team. I mean, Tommy DeVito was a a kid who we knew had talent. We had seen it a little bit against Florida State out of injury to Dungy that year. And he was a former four-star guy. It's a completely different playing field that they're on. And I know DeVito at times does not look like the player that we thought he was going to be but I don't want to use stars in the argument with DeVito but I think it does hold somewhat weight somewhat of a a weight here in this he just has way more potential he's got the arm talent yes the the potential is there and listen the potential was there like if you looked at potential between DeVito and Dungy advantage DeVito in terms of potential but you have to live up to that potential at a certain point DeVito hasn't okay and it's frustrating for Syracuse fans. You can blame all the auxiliary parts of this offense, the line, the running backs, the the receivers dropping passes, the tight ends not getting involved, the play calling not catering to some of the strengths. You can. But at the end of the day, DeVito's doing a lot of things that aren't helping this team win either. And I don't and Rex isn't some panacea for this either. So you're kind of just screwed. You're kind of screwed. And I think you just ride <laughs> out a guy here. You, you just pick a guy, ride him out. For the rest of the season because unless you want to really dig down that depth chart and f- try to find your Zach Mahoney 
I don't think there, there's anything that you're going to gain out of flip-flopping the entire season. All right, Tim, we're going to get into some recruiting stuff in just a second. But first, we have to tell you about our favorite protein bar. That's right, Built Bar, back and better than ever with six new flavors, including caramel brownie and cookies and cream. That's right, our favorite protein bar just added to their 12 original delicious flavors. Think of it like this, okay? ACC realignment. You got a bunch of awesome classic teams, Duke, UNC, Clemson, all those, and then you add a bunch of great ones like Syracuse. Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate and great for the health conscious guy or girl. And right now, you too can get $10 off your next purchase with our promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. That's right, not just your first order, Everyone can catch this offer now, even a Syracuse tight end. They can catch a great deal on Built Bar as well. Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your next order. All right, let's get into this recruiting article now from The Athletic. It is called The Five, the college football programs facing the biggest recruiting obstacles Kind of an interesting premise. Ari Wasserman wrote it on The Athletic. The five teams he ranked, one to five, Washington State one, our Syracuse Orange, number two, Oregon State three, Kansas State four, Vanderbilt is five. Basically, as you would expect, the sort of concerns that he laid out for Syracuse in this article is how remote it is compared to the ACC. It's not on the Atlantic coast. It's far away and how the cold weather is a problem. He did acknowledge that Syracuse is a brand name. It has the dome, that type of stuff. But he basically, the crux of his argument is it's tough to get a kid from the South with so many Southern schools that are right around the corner from him and so many schools that are in competition in the same conference as Syracuse plays in in the ACC. I agree with a lot of what he said. Maybe two is a little harsh, but... I mean, we've acknowledged this. Syracuse is not, I mean, they have some things, some obstacles that are stacked against them in the recruiting battle. And the other thing to note, which he did in this article, is there's not a lot of rich talent right around the corner in New York, unfortunately. And I know some people will get on them for not dipping into the talent base in New York a little bit more, but let's face it, that's not quite as much of a hotbed as, say, some of the southern states or Texas. And let's be honest here, too, okay? When you look at this, he's not calling out the program saying they're the second worst Power 5 recruiting program. That's not what he's saying. Because if anything, when you look at this, this team has actually overachieved in its recruiting. Because by saying you are the second worst in the Power 5, okay? And and I'm looking through the, the rest of the list here. And there are no other ACC teams in his five. The other three that rounded out... Vanderbilt, you've got Kansas State, and then Oregon State. And then, of course, uh, I think you mentioned that Washington State is number one in terms of the recruiting stuff. Syracuse has never finished below 12th in the ACC rankings on on 24-7 sports. So when you look at that, and there's 14 teams in the conference, there are two teams that are doing worse, every at least two teams every year that are doing worse than Syracuse in recruiting uh, among the ACC teams. So if anything, I would actually say this article kind of shows that Dino Babers is out-recruiting what his expectations should be for this program. So let, let's get that get that straightened away before we get into this. But yes, those are the obstacles this team is facing year after year after year. You can sit, you can complain, do whatever, 
But at the end of the day, if you're not going out and improving the recruiting for this team year after year after year, well, then you're going to be stuck in the mediocrity slash subpar level of Power 5 teams that this program really has been for the last decade and a decade plus for the most part. And that's yeah. the thing is you can't just get up and move. You, that's not that's not something in the cards. And so you have to somehow find external factors that make you attractive to all of these players, whether they're from California, Texas, Florida, Georgia, Carolina. We've seen an improved effort at, at getting those guys to come to this program. You've got a quarterback coming from California. You've dipped into the, the Florida talent pretty well. Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, it seems like there's a higher effort to get guys Heck, out of they there. went to Hawaii in this right. latest yeah. cycle a couple of times. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that things are improving, okay? You look at where this thing started, all right? It goes back to 2016, 62nd in the entire country, 12th in the ACC. Right now, this class of 2021, which is our latest barometer that we have to work off of, 46, a 16-spot jump. And there might be a little bit more coming in. Who knows what's what's next for this team? Now, the ACC rank is still 12, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the rest of the conference is doing better. To move yourself up 16 spots, I think, is good. Now, it's how great. can you yeah. rise above? you got to get into that top seven of the ACC. I mean, we've seen North Carolina take a huge jump. Now, a lot of that has to do with the brand-name coach that came in. And, Tim, just... I mean, you and I have both stepped on that Chapel Hill campus, all right? It's I don't awesome. know how it's anyone a, yeah. ever says no to that school. I, <laughs> right. I don't. I, 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 If you had given me a full scholarship ride to North Carolina, I would have asked where I signed. And yeah. that's, I think, the big thing is you don't necessarily get that feel from going onto the Syracuse campus. I need to see a little bit more. And again, it comes down to donations, the boosters, all that. There needs to be, and listen, John Wildhack, I think, has done a great job of that. He just pledged a huge donation to yeah, this university. Awesome. So right. it's not for a lack of trying on his behalf. He's doing a lot to try to get this program where it needs to be. Now it feels like we need to see outside efforts from the entire Syracuse community to try to get this program, the football program, where it can be. Totally. Now we've talked a lot about how the facilities need to upgrade. That would be... I think they're heading that way, but that would be the biggest thing for me to try and, you know, no doubt. get get a little bit better success on the recruiting front for sure. And I would say the only other ACC team that could be in this conversation is probably Boston College, maybe Wake Forest, right. but they're, they've got too much talent around them. BC has kind of the same problems that this guy laid out in the article. Only thing with BC before you're a Syracuse fan, you say we should be behind or we should be ahead of them. Why aren't they on this list? BC does have some calling cards, and by that I mean they've always had a very good defense, and they've always put a lot more guys in the NFL and had a lot more guys be Offensive successful in the NFL. Too. O-line is their other calling card. They've had a couple first-round picks lately, and even think of Luke Keekley, guys like that well, at yeah, the linebacker I mean, position. Look Look at who you would say the poster child is of the active Syracuse players and who the poster child is of active BC players, all right? It's Chandler Jones, a guy who plays defense, and while he is one of the best defensive players in the league, it's a league run by offense. Who does who does uh, Boston College have? Matt Ryan. That's their guy yeah. that they're going to point to. And right. I'm sure in a couple years, 
we might see like an A.J. Dillon enter that conversation too. So in right. a league run by offense, you have to go out and show that you can put offensive guys in the league. And that's that's the way that it's going to be for this team. Again, we've seen the defense for Syracuse pick up these past couple of years. It's up to the offense now to, to keep up. And it looked like they were getting there, but everything kind of stagnated a little bit. You also have to think with Boston too, where do you want to live? You want to live in Boston, Massachusetts, or do you want to live in Syracuse, New York? It's it's yeah. apple. It's not apples to apples there. It's right. it's one is much much superior to the other. Well, it's it's different for sure. <laughs> there, there's no denying that there's there's a huge difference. There. It, it, it's not way, well. Yeah, it's different, and and it's different because one is way better than the other. Yeah, I mean. I'm sure some people love living in Syracuse, New York, and wouldn't want the hustle and bustle of, of the city lifestyle. But I agree with what you're saying. The consensus would be Boston is more of a, an attractive city on the surface, for sure. And, and BC has that appeal of, of that compared to Syracuse, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. But by the way, before we go here, maybe Alton Robinson is going to be a calling card. For yeah. Syracuse how about him? Day. He's had He's some huge some plays. plays for the Seahawks. Yeah. yeah. He had the big sack against the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. I know he, I was getting uh, some blowups in our group text chain about some of the plays he made in the latest win against the Dolphins. So I think Pete Carroll is really impressed with him. I really yeah. do. And you're seeing him get some run. I think he was inactive for the first game, but since then first he has couple, been a I major think. force and then Zaire Franklin goes out and beats my Bears this past week. So, uh, yeah, your Bears uh, the captain, did not Zaire Franklin. So, yeah. I picked up Nick Foles on the waiver wire, hoping that it wasn't a flash in the pan. I, I, I mean, picked him up and I already dropped him. Yeah. I, I moved on to Justin Herbert, but no one it, cares about our fantasy team. So, it wasn't great. Nick Foles is really living up to his Tommy DeVito calling card that you were saying <laughs> last week, where he's he's great in relief, yep. but then when he's the guy, maybe maybe not so much. Although it was against yeah. tough defense in just one game. All right. Tomorrow on the show, basketball. And we're going to talk a lot about Syracuse's schedule and what that's sort of shaping up to be. Some interesting reports. John Rothstein tweeted yesterday that Georgetown. We talked about how that is likely. It looks like it's going to be a Saturday game in the Dome, and it's going to be in January, according to John Rothstein, because they have a lot of league games, both squads, in December. And we'll also probably dive into some basketball recruiting, because Zion Cruz transferred schools. Dior has been being Dior, making some making some moves, making yeah. some noise. We'll catch you up on all of that. We're going to so need some to put on our, our social Sherlock hats tomorrow. Yes, well, we, we know we love to do that, so we will do all that tomorrow, talk some basketball, and then later on the week, we'll get you all set up for this Duke game. Big game, trying to get their second straight win, coming off the bye, and definitely an opportunity when there's not a lot of opportunities in the schedule to go in and, and put, put together a win at home. So we'll get you ready for that game. We'll have our full preview podcast come out on Thursday afternoon, but we're here with you every single weekday on the Lockdown Syracuse podcast. Thanks for listening. For Tyler, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.